We are going to spend time in one of the classic Christmas passages of the Bible, Luke chapter 2. If you were with us last week, we read this very passage of Scripture as we were considering the peace that God offers us through His Son. We'll, we'll read it again considering something else. There was a, a young child who recently went famous on the internet because he, for the very first time, got to meet his newborn baby sister. And his parents swaddled the girl very tightly in her swaddling cloth. So we have some reference points to our story this morning already. And the, and the young man was brought into the, the waiting area and they placed his newborn sister into his lap and they said, what do you think? And he looked down at her and, and he saw her swaddled so tightly and he gave her a glance and he marveled at her and then he said, she doesn't have any arms. <laughs> The swaddling cloths are not the only reference point to why that story is appropriate. Uh, what we find in, in all of the stories of the birth of Christ, each person that meets him is posed with a similar question or a moment where they're asked to give a response. They're asked to say, you know, what do you think? How do you respond to this newborn child brought into the world? And each one of us, as we hear the message preached once again or for the first time, will once again give a response to this message with the way that you not respond to a sermon, but respond with your life. So we'll read this passage of scripture, then we'll go through and look at the different responses that come up to this newborn Christ that we just sang about. We'll, we'll start in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So we end our reading of the scripture with the responses that people have to the different interactions they have with this child. And before we look at them, it's the very end of what we just read. I find that this passage of Scripture appropriately is often presented to us through the play 
of a children's program. And as we read this, it actually works in a very similar way in breaking down in three acts. And the three acts that this comes to us in is very similar to most of the times that we read about the birth of Christ in these scriptures. The, the first act that we find is the revelation. This is the great message that invades from heaven into earth. And from that revelation, God chooses messengers to then go and give a report. And from that report, we see the response of people who have listened to this good tiding message, and they have to now go and live, and go do forth, go forth and live. And this is where we will end as we light our candles. You all will be asked to give a response. But as we lead up to that, each act is worth looking at very briefly with our time together. First, the revelation. It says that they were in the same fields and behold, in verse nine, an angel of the Lord stood before them and they were greatly afraid. This is something we see throughout the moment where God is revealing to humanity his plan to send his son into the world. We see an angel earlier in this very book come to Mary or, and, and Gabriel says to her that you are with child and it will be the son of God. We see in the book of Matthew as Joseph is trying to wrestle with the news that his betrothed wife, not yet married, is with child, he gets a visitation from an angel in a dream. And the angel gives the picture, the revelation of God's plan for this child. And he submits to God's plan and stays with his wife in the midst of his confusion. Of course, later in the story, the wise men see a star. And it is revealed that the glory of God is pointing down on this manger scene or this little town of Bethlehem where the baby is born. And in each one of these, there is a revelation from God to allow people to understand what he's up to. And in some ways, that revelation is so important to look at because the revelation can certainly be misunderstood. In fact, we see as this story unfolds, it says an angel of the Lord stood before them and they were greatly afraid. So what is in the revelation that comes from heaven into earth? The angel will give us this morning a refreshed or renewed view of why we celebrate the birth of Christ. It says in verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. As the glory of the Lord shines all around the presence of this messenger that has come to bring the revelation of God's plan for humanity through his son, their first reaction is fear. Uh, the glory of God, the holiness of God, the presence of God is something so holy and otherworldly that the proper response is to feel unworthy. And the message in the way it's revealed has to be renewed in our hearts and our minds. It is good tidings. This is good news message. This is the, the word tidings. This is a great announcement for humanity. There is a story of Charles Spurgeon, 19th century preacher, sharing on this passage of scripture and to help his audience understand how incredible the message is and how fearful it could be, he tells a very simple story of a pastor visiting a very poor woman from his church. 
So it was around the Christmas season and this pastor making an account of the, the health and the financial status of his congregation identifies one woman who is the poorest of the poor and he decides to pay her a visit with some extra help for the holiday seasons to, for her food and for anything she may need. So he, he gives her a visit, he knocks on the door and she doesn't answer. And so he, she, he knocks again and once again, she doesn't answer. And so, assuming she wasn't home, he leaves, and wouldn't you know, he finds himself in this setting. It's now Christmas Eve, and who walks through the door is this poor woman. And he says to her, I came to your house to pay you a visit, but you weren't home. And she says, when did you come? He says, it must have been Thursday around noon. And she said, I heard your knocking, and I didn't answer because I thought it was my landlord coming to require my debt. And I wonder how many times, as Charles Spurgeon would share this at this exact moment, we think of God coming into our lives, not as good news, but as burdensome news. And for those of you who maybe don't often come into the sanctuary of a church, maybe it's for this very reason. You think that God coming into your life wouldn't be good news, but it would be a list of demands and commands and duties that he would place onto your shoulders that would make your life harder and less fun. And the angels remind us, and for those of you who need to hear this message for the first time, that Christ comes into the world with great tidings of joy. Why? Because it says he's a savior. He is, in fact, not coming to collect debt. He is coming to pay what we owe. We are people who, for all intents and purposes should be able to relate to the status of a woman who would be afraid of a debt collector. Because in all of the ways that the good tiding message and the revelation from heaven to earth comes with the titles of who Christ would be, a wonderful counselor, unto us a son is born, an everlasting father. One of the names that we must be excited for so that we would never live under the burden that God is not for us is Savior. He comes to save us, as it was revealed to Matthew, from our sins. And the presence of God in all of his holiness is something we are all unworthy of, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the great news revealed to us in Christ coming in a manger in the humility of someone who would come to serve and not be served as he comes to save. The light has come into the world not to condemn the world, but that through him, the world would be saved. We celebrate the reality that Christ does knock on the door and we can open it freely and welcome him into this place, in this sanctuary. And all of us, once fearing the presence of God, can now understand the invitation in, not because of our worthiness, but because of Christ's presence. And it's, of course, great joy because of that. The other revelation of this, which again is worth refreshing or proclaiming once again for the first time if you haven't understood it, is he says, do not be afraid. I bring you good tidings of great joy. It is Christ who comes to save and it's for all people. There is never a moment in the preparation for a gospel moment, uh, uh, sermon where I get to invite 
anyone who would place their confidence in Christ to freely accept the real gift of salvation, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's never a moment where I worry who will walk in. There's never a moment where I have to survey the audience and try to figure out who can actually hear the gospel message and who has to do something and come back later. The gospel, the good tidings, the great announcement revelation from heaven is for all people. And isn't it fitting that as an extra illustration for us to believe that, the gospel comes into the world from heaven into earth and is given to the shepherds. The shepherds, the, the lowbrow class. They are, it has been said for those who study the ancient times, if a shepherd gave witness to anything in court, the testimony was no good. So if you heard anything from a shepherd, it says, okay, take it with a grain of salt. It was a shepherd after all. And they say the skies opened up and the angels came out of uh, the, the, the heavens and they declared the glory of God, but they're shepherds. Who could believe a, sh a shepherd? But the message comes to shepherds so that we would have no doubt when he says it is for all people. Every single one of us get to celebrate the good news that Christ comes not to collect debt, but to pay it. And as a practical illustration of that, we don't have to look to ancient shepherds. We can look to just one small outreach of our church just yesterday. As some of us gathered to go out to the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ, the homeless shelter. And as we were there passing out some clothes and greeting people with food, just all together, Chris Smith, who is the faithful servant to organize all these things from our, our church, he opens up the Bible and he shares a gospel message and he says, turn to Luke chapter two and the exact same message was preached to anyone who heard it. And they applauded and they asked for prayer and they accepted the free gift, good news message, revelation from heaven to earth, from the homeless to the beautiful right here, to all of you who have dressed up and you look nice and there's presents under the tree, because who else did the, did the manger attract? The manger didn't just attract the shepherds, it attracted the wise men, the kings, the magi, the ones who would offer gold at the foot of the manger. So the revelation, good news for all people. Then we get this report. It says in, in verse 15, so it, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. They take the revelation, they immediately go investigate and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. You imagine they, they've just experienced the heavens opened. They've heard the choir of angels singing glory to God, peace and goodwill. And then they go to investigate and just as was told them, they find the sign, a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger and they see Mary and Joseph and they tell him, them, them, they tell the, the royal family all that they've heard. 
And in this, briefly, we have a picture of the church. We have a picture of the way that God reveals his truth to people who understand the good news, the gospel message. And they take the revelation of God and they become messengers of his love and his good news and his reconciliation and his peace and goodwill. And that is today many of you can identify with the, the ones who would give a report. And once again, we see that the report is given through shepherds, which means all of us are qualified. Not one of you should ever think to yourself, well, I've heard the message of Christ and I'm wrestling with it and I believe it now and I want to live for it, but I don't know if I could ever speak on its behalf. You don't have to stand on stage and wear a suit and tie. And you don't have to be eloquent of speech. And you don't have to get a degree from a seminary. And you don't have to go to a foreign land as a qualified missionary. God uses the weak to confound the strong and the base to confound the wise. It is the principle of the gospel that it comes with great joy for all people. And as soon as you grasp it, you can become a messenger. One of the ways that we'll light the candle today will be a picture of the small way that God brings light into the world and the light will spread. Because as we light the candles, most likely, if all goes well, <laughs> no one works for the fire department in here, I hope. <laughs> we'll spread them candle by candle. And the small light will turn into a sanctuary of light. And the light that comes into the world represented through a, the small glimmer of hope, a babe in a manger will spread to the whole world by the report that is given from those who have been given the grace of the revelation of God. If you are here to praise him and worship him and love him, this is a time once again for you to be renewed in the call of God on your life to take the light of God, the revelation of heaven revealed through his word into your heart, and to now join him as a light of the world. Of course, he calls shepherds and he also calls kings. Many of you have talents and gifts and eloquence of speech and finances and accesses to part of the areas of our city and our world that others don't. And all of it is a gift and the grace of God. There are certain people in this world that will only listen to you. Some have to listen to the poor. Some have to listen to the rich. Some have to listen to the wise. Some have to listen to the ones that are still figuring it out. But each of you who believe and celebrate with the body of Christ this morning have become called to give a report. And in the report, we now come to the response. It says that the shepherds went everywhere, telling everyone what they saw. And in the final three verses of the scripture that we already read, we'll find three responses. Three responses to the question that we all saying, what child is this? In verse 18, we find our first. It says, and those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Mary and Joseph, marveling. Once again, they have a messenger coming into their life to confirm that God is who he says he is and he has sent them on a mission to be the parents of the savior of the world. And as shepherds go about the fields and back to the places that they dwell and into the city that they do their commerce, they give an account of everything they saw and many 
people, all that heard marveled. This is a amazing encouragement for what we are supposed to do when we gather and hear the message of the incarnation of Christ into the world. We're supposed to wonder. We're supposed to be in awe. We're supposed to marvel in amazement. And for some of you, if this is your first time in church, first time in a long time, if you're a new believer or if you're an almost believer, this is a great place for you to be. Look at all of us praising God. We are like the heavens opening up and giving a preview of what eternity will be like for those of us who have been given the revelation of God and we worship him. And we're no longer just marveling or wondering who Christ is. He has become the Lord of our lives. He is the Savior who has taken away our sins and given us newness of life. And you can look, us, look at us and say, wow, what are they up to? What does that mean for my life? What am I supposed to do with the message of Christ? How am I supposed to live now with this message that has been revealed to me? Marvel. It's a great place to start. It's not where you finish. We look now at the next response. It says in verse 19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Prefer the other translations where it says, but Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She, she takes all of these revelations, all of these moments where messengers have come around her, visions from angels, Gabriel, interaction with Elizabeth who said that in her womb was her Lord, messengers who come and say, I'm confirming to you, we just saw angels, this is what we were supposed to look for. This is Christ, the Savior and Lord. And in some ways, it's like she was putting it all together and she takes it from the word of a messenger, and she places it into her heart. And this can be lost in how quickly we read through the gospel accounts. For 30 years, this story becomes a very normal upbringing. For years and years and years, Mary took what was given to her, and she kept it into her heart. She faithfully remained as someone who was pondering what God was doing through her son, Jesus Christ. And I think that is a step that some of us need to take, where you have heard the message of Christmas, you have come to the choir of angels, you've listened to the good tidings, the gospel announcement, that it is great joy, it is a debt paid, it is sin dealt with through his son, it is peace and goodwill, it is not just the Savior, but the Lord of your life who comes to greet you and give you his message and it has to go from a pulpit into your heart. Maybe you've seen these signs. I saw one just recently. It said, keep Christ in Christmas. I, I like that sign for a minute. The, the idea behind it is, you know, we do all of these trappings and decorations and presents and sometimes we miss the whole point of it all, that the gift, the only real gift is the salvation of God revealed through his son. But we also should 
not just keep Christ in Christmas. Like there needs to be a sign as soon as the decorations come on that say, okay, now keep following Christ beyond Christmas. How many of us have marveled at Christ but never pondered him in our heart? We've thought of Jesus and we've experienced the tradition of hearing the message, but we've never put it all together and realized that the Savior and the Christ and the Lord belongs in your heart. And then it says, finally, then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had that heard and seen as it was told them. To glorify and praise God. This is the end response. This is where the gospel is taking all of us. That there is great joy and there is great rejoicing. And for shepherds and magi, for those who marvel and then ponder, the end game is to glorify God with your entire life. That there is no longer a reason to be afraid of the presence of God, to not consider yourself welcome to be part of the people of God, but now because of Christ coming into the world to live the life that we never could, we now can be counted in the number from shepherds to magi, praise and glorify God. And so that is the response that for those of you who believe you are now invited to do. As we light these, typically we will have a time of reflection in our service. What a great time of reflection that a, a candlelight is. The candlelight is something that will allow you to marvel at the presence of God. The light has come into the world and he is offering you the revelation of who he is. As you light the candle, marvel at who God is. As the candle spreads, we consider our role in giving the report of what we believe. And as... The sanctuary is lit up, but nothing but the light. We are going to be people who praise and glorify the God who has invaded earth from heaven with a message of joy to the entire world for all who believe. If you believe, it's time to praise and glorify God with your life. If you're here and you have not yet put your faith in Christ. Take a minute to ponder everything that was just said. Take a minute to allow this message to go from your ears down into your heart and allow God to give you a revelation of the joy that is offered in knowing the Savior of the world as your personal Lord.